At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Hello, and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show, featuring Jason Zook. In uncertain times, we must change our focus and priorities. This show will highlight social justice issues with the goal of expanding minds and increasing unity, love, and mutual respect for ourselves and our planet. We support the Black Lives Matter movement, Our show aspires to promote social spirituality, which simply means that by coming together, we can solve any of our problems, including the goal of bringing an end to all forms of hate, discrimination, bias, or oppression. We must protect our environment, reform our criminal justice system, and protect every citizen from police brutality. When we come together, It becomes possible to bridge the gaps that plague our society and divide us from within. We the people means everyone. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. This is Jason Zook. It's a great pleasure I have the opportunity of introducing special guest, Rebecca Whitman, success mentor and life coach. Rebecca Whitman is a success mentor, author, and life coach who has helped women go from burned out to balanced, beautiful, and abundant by getting all their seven pillars of success, spirituality, fitness, emotion, romance, mental, social, and finance into alignment. In addition to graduating from Princeton University, Rebecca has studied with some of the great spiritual teachers of our time, like Marianne Williamson, Abraham Hicks, and Michael Beckwith, to name a few. In her workshops and coaching, Rebecca combines metaphysical teachings, 12-step recovery, and business savvy to help people go get extraordinary results. Her philosophy divides life into seven pillars of abundance, which includes spiritual, physical, emotional, romantic, mental, social, and financial. Rebecca helps women achieve balance within those seven areas so that they can experience more fun and freedom in their lives. Currently, Rebecca hosts the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant podcast, and has she's been interviewed herself on TV and radio programs such as Good Morning LA, LA Land, The Aware Show by Lisa Gar, and has rated virtual stages with thought leaders such as Grant Cardone, Jack Canfield, and Les Brown. It is with great pleasure that I I present Rebecca Whitman to the show. Hi, Jason. It's so great to be here. It's great to have you on, and I'm just so excited to have us discuss your background, your experience with empowering women expansive breadth of spirituality and empowerment. So I wanted to ask you first, looking at your background, what do you think in our modern day today, post-COVID era, you would recommend to women who you come in contact with through our audience, what would you recommend to them about how they can become more empowered based on your experiences? I think you become more, women get what they want by knowing what they don't want. So I think the word no, if women could own their no and stop being 
people pleasers, that alone would help them feel more empowered. I tell my clients, don't do anything out of fear, obligation, or guilt. If it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. And walk away from the hell maybes and own your nose. Set boundaries around your time. Walk away from the situations that don't feel supportive and loving. By the way, I want to say this. I want to thank Tom Palladino for introducing us to each other, by the way. Yes, thank you. Tom. <laughs> Amazing. How can you make a serious, conscious effort to prioritize self-care in your life? You plan your self-care and your schedule. So I believe in body before business. Exercise is the most important thing I do all day. So I like to do that first thing in the morning and everything else gets planned after the exercise. Money, we can make it, we can lose it. Our health is something that if you lose it, it's a lot harder to get back than money. And you could have all the money in the world, and if you're sitting in a hospital room with tubes up your nose, it's not worth anything. But if you have your health, the world is your oyster. You can create anything in the world, anything in those seven pillars, which we're going to talk about, from a dream relationship to physical health to a great group of friends. If you have your health, you have everything. So I like to say health is wealth. Excellent. How does rejection sculpt the soul? Yeah, so that's what happened to me. So I moved to LA to become a famous actress. And instead, I was an extra on big shows, but I was still an extra on shows like Friends, CSI, and 24. And I just was feeling rejected. So I learned how to go inward and how to feel fulfilled through spirituality, through being of service, through self-love. Because the circumstances of my life, wanting to be a famous actress and it not happening, it wasn't working the way that I wanted. So I also had to deepen my faith. I like to say that I'm in the action business and God is in the results business. And I can take as much action as I want. But if it's not part of my divine destiny, then it's just not going to happen for me. But I learned so many great lessons. And because I had such a flexible schedule, because I wanted to be available for auditions, I had plenty of time to study with great spiritual teachers like Wayne Dyer, Marion Williamson, Michael Beckwith, Abraham Hicks. And I really used rejection to, to sculpt my soul in a way that if I would have gotten everything I wanted and became a famous actress, I don't think I would have done the deep spiritual work that I had to do. You keep saying, uh, when you were saying that just now, I kept getting yet. You're not a big yeah, actress yet. And I told you that when we talked off camera, but uh, one of my psychic things I do when people talk about something in a topic, I'll get like some, it's like a subtle message that comes in, in while we're discussing it. And I get the word yet. So that's just my little two cents on your, on your answer, by the way. You know so. what, from your mouth to God's ears and I'm open for it. You know, maybe, maybe I had to be humbled first because Prior to moving to L.A., I felt like I got everything I wanted. I was a nationally ranked tennis player. I was a graduate with honors from Princeton University. And I like to say now that God loves me humble because when I'm humble, I'm teachable. So I, you know, moving to L.A. really humbled me out. And I really needed that because I was a little bit arrogant when I moved to L.A. <laughs> Understandable. Most of us are like that in our lives, I think, when we have certain things that go positive. We need to be humbled, but being humbled is probably one of the greatest things to appreciate because when we have those amazing moments, 
that will come for you and will come for me. You know, we will have amazing moments in the future. It's just given. It makes us appreciate it. And I one think humility favorite. is one of the biggest things, right? It just. One of my favorite quotes by Michael Beckwith is he says, a bad day for the ego is a good day for the soul. <laughs> think how boring our story would be if we didn't have any setbacks or disappointments, right? That's right. <laughs> I mean, that's what we signed up for, right? When we took this incarnation, we didn't want to have a straight line. We wanted a ride and a roller coaster goes up and down and all around. And, and that's what happens when we become, you know, human and we go on our path and we go on our adventure and our hero's journey. We have setbacks, uh, which are really setups. I heard on a podcast, you know, the the further the fall, the bigger the bounce back. So I really think that's what happened to me in 2017. When Well, in 2016, I lost my dad. In 2017, my divorce was final. In 2018, I wrote my book and started my coaching program. And ever since then, I've been on an upward trajectory. So that's, that's just how it goes sometimes. And it's continuing. Yes, it is. I feel it. Into 22, 23, 24. Yeah, it keeps going up, 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 up. Absolutely. When you look at the dating scene, what do you think, from your experience, what do you think men miss so much about understanding women in the dating environment? I think women want security. So when a man is gamey and doesn't return, you know, well, I believe women should be pursued by men. So a lot of men are in the feminine role and they are gamey and they play hard to get and they don't realize that they're actually in the feminine role. And I believe there's a battle for the skirt happening in the dating scene where everybody is trying to be the more passive feminine energy and nothing's happening. So I encourage the men who are listening to this to go after the woman you want. Let her know you're interested schedule her for dates at the end of the date schedule her for the next day that was something that my fiance did that no other guys done and it made me feel so secure by the time the date was ending he's like when can i see you again and that made me feel so secure and not like oh my god what's gonna happen is he gonna disappear because i have abandonment anxiety so i like that he had the next date scheduled because i knew when i was going to see him again so i think men are missing that they get to be men again. You know, feminism was a socioeconomic movement, equal pay for equal work for men and women. But I think women still want to be pursued and they still want men to be men. What if a female member of our audience is listening to our interview right now and she has a massive crush on somebody, but she's terrified of rejection. And the person she has a crush on isn't aware of it. What would you suggest to someone in that kind of situation? I would, I would call it dropping a hanky. So dropping a hanky is asking a man for an opinion, asking for his advice, asking him for directions. You could even ask him to be an escort to a big event that you have to go to, like a wedding or a play or something. And I think that if you, you're still putting him in the masculine role because you're asking for his help, and you can see, you know, kind of as a temperature taker, if there's anything there. And then also, if she has a big crush on him, making eye contact and smiling is the international mating language, right? That 
you know, if he's not responsive to eye contact and smiling, he's probably not interested in her. If he is, he's incredibly shy. How do those roles differ now that we have social media? I know I'm around people in a social environment, even post-COVID, where I'll see younger people like exchange Instagram information. And next thing you know, they're adding each other. How do you think that's going to change the dynamic of dating in the future going forward from now on? Based on what you just said. The equivalent of smiling at a guy across <laughs> from across the bar, right? Which is the former international mating language. You can drop a smiley emoji. It's the same thing as smiling from across the bar. It's true. So think if you're interested in a guy, drop a smiley face emoji and then take, let him take it from there. If he doesn't respond, then he's not interested. But I wouldn't like go after and pursue the guy unless you want a feminine guy. I mean, you know, some women want to be in the masculine role and they want to pursue men and they want a more feminine man. And I don't have any judgment with that. I mean, I think feminine and masculine energy can be gay, straight or lesbian. Just know if you want to be the one that is, you know, competing, controlling, conquering, going after the relationship, or you want to be the one who's receiving and available to the relationship and whatever you choose, then you can pursue that. But yeah, it's, uh, it is interesting now that it's all digital, but yeah, smiley faces emojis are great. I feel like in the digital age, you could hit on somebody, be rejected by somebody <laughs> all in the span of a click, right? It seems like it's so different than, than, than the past. I feel like you could hide behind the filter of your phone or your screen that can give you some courage, but that could also give you like increased fear and anxiety if you get rejected by trying to put yourself out there. Do you know, do you, do you have any recommendations? Anyone who feels like they've been rejected multiple times? I know it helps shape the soul, but there might be people listening to us right now and say, I'm sick of my soul being shaped. I just want companionship and happiness and stability. How do I change being rejected to being accepted and finding someone that will match my desires? I think that life is a numbers game and life is all about the law of averages. So whether it's pursuing romance, business, anything, I'd say NATO, which stands for not attached to outcome, play the numbers, keep going for, uh, you know, the numbers. And eventually, if you keep pursuing women online, eventually, you're going to find one who likes you. But if you get rejected and dejected after the third woman said no, then you're taking yourself out of the game. That's another thing. Think of it as a game. <laughs> it is a game, right? It's a game. And it's it's a numbers game. Think of it as a deck of cards, right? Your queen is in that deck of cards. So how many cards do you have to go through to get to the queen? Sometimes she might be the fifth card in the deck. Sometimes she might be at the bottom of the deck. But if you think of it as the game of going through the cards to get your queen, you're going to keep going. I love that analogy. I'm going to, can I borrow that in the future whenever I have a friend or client ask me for dating advice? Because I think that would probably be the best way to look at dating, not to take it seriously where you get hurt if you're rejected, but to look at it as, Hey, the best way for me to make this successful is to keep doing it. I'm a weeble wobble. You knock me down. I'm back up. I'm back up. I'm back up. I'm going to keep doing this until I find the right person. It's a numbers game. Think of it like traffic. If we got three red lights in a row, we'll be like, oh my God, nobody likes me. Nobody likes my car. I'm never going to drive again. Like, no, I just got three lights in a row because that's just, you know, what happened. And eventually I'm going to get a couple green lights in a row. So you just, you just drive. So you just take your ego out of it. 
and you just keep playing the numbers game. I believe there's a lid for every pot. Everybody has their divine mate out there and you just keep going, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, but you just keep going and you play the numbers. What are the signs that someone should go into dating detox? Ooh, so that happened to me right before I met my fiance. I was on five dating sites and I had a matchmaker and every single date I went on, I wasn't feeling a connection. I wasn't feeling any chemistry. And I started, it's kind of like the law of attraction, right? Whatever you focus on, you get more of. So I was focusing on, oh, well, this guy's not right for me because he's this or that. And, th and then I kept getting more guys that weren't right for me. And like, when I'm on like the 50th or the 75th guy that's not right for me, I'm like, okay, I need to like reset, recalibrate, wipe the slate clean, whatever my thoughts were about dating, they were creating more and more and more of what I did not want. So I said, I'm just going to go on a 90 day dating detox. I'm not going to think about guys. I'm not going to talk about guys. I'm not going to look at guys, nothing. And six weeks into it, I invited my fiance Ben to my book launch party and he bought a book and he asked me to sign it at dinner. And I was like, I didn't even make it to 90 days. And it used to make me so angry. People like, oh, well, you're going to find love when you're not even looking for it. I'm like, I'm like a hopeless romantic. How do I not even look for it? And I had to do a conscious dating detox to recalibrate and reset my vibration around love and romance. And it works. So for your listeners out there, if you feel like you're hitting a wall and hitting a plateau with your dating and you keep meeting the same type of person over and over and over again, I would try a 90 day dating detox. I like that. It's like uh, equating, you know, when I think of dating and rituals, like if you go out to a bar, now that we can start doing that again, it reminds me of like a National Geographic video with animals that try to meet. They, they puff out their feathers if you're a bird or a peacock or, you know, they do weird dances or they make certain sounds and callings out. We're not that different if you think about it. Our cues with one another, it might be more cerebral than it is outward. I mean, no, I think people still use their physical appearance to try to attract others, just like colorful feathers or prowess or whatever it is. And I feel like when it comes to the dating pool, that's how it is. It's kind of funny when you think about our dynamic with one another, even in the digital age, there's still a lot of that puffery that occurs. Do you see that as well from your experience when you dated in the past before you met your fiance? There's a lot of posturing and yeah, it's especially in LA, it's, you know, what kind of car do you drive and you know, what, how much money do you make or, you know, how young you are. So I'm a really big advocate of women not being judged by their age. And I think it's finally starting to happen with people like JLo and Jennifer Aniston and Gwen Stefani. They're so beautiful and they're all over 50. Finally, society's starting to change. But when I first moved to LA, I felt very judged for my age. I moved here when I was 30 years old and yeah. not day that I was here, did I not feel judged for my age? I felt old at 30. 30s old? Not in my book. <laughs> well, not in my book. I'm 45, I but. <laughs> yeah, it felt old in LA. And wow. now I know that women are beautiful at any age. And I think that's a huge shift in society. So I think, yeah, women are trying to look young and beautiful and men are trying to look wealthy and successful. And, and we do it different ways. But the people who are listening to the show, I know are spiritual seekers or heart centered people, and they're really wanting to feel that heart connection, that soul connection. 
And you can only really do that after all the posturing. Okay, you know, he pulled up to the car, the club in a nice car, but take it outside the club, take it outside the bar, really talk to the person, get to know their heart. And you'll know pretty much within five, five to 15 minutes, if it's someone that you want to go out with again, and then just go out on another date and see what happens. Why is developing a morning ritual so important to creating an abundant life? How you start your day determines the type of day you have. So in my seven pillars of abundance, the number one is spirituality. The seven pillars are in order of importance. So when you wake up, you want to tap into a power greater than yourself. Because if you're the one running your show that day, I know with me, if I'm running the show, I feel a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, a lot of pressure. I'm a recovering perfectionism, a perfectionist. I want everything to be perfect or I'm not happy. But if I can meditate or pray or write in a journal or light a candle or burn some incense and just feel that something is out there that's looking after me and taking care of me and that I can surrender my day to, I could read something from a spiritual book. Anything I can do to help me realize that I have support, that the universe loves me, that the universe has my back, it's going to help me have so much strength and power throughout that day that's not my own. And I need, I need to tap into that. I mean, as Abraham Hicks says, I want to be tuned in, tapped in, and turned on when I start my day. I love that analogy. That's great. That's great. Can you tell us about your Elegant Warrior program? Yeah, so I train women to be elegant warriors. So to me, elegant means not fighting, not chasing, not pushing energy, but being feminine. Feminine energy attracts and magnetizes. Masculine energy is out there pushing energy and moving things in the world. So being elegant is about being powerful by what you can pull in, what you can attract, and not not exerting effort in a way that makes you look desperate or needy. But warrior is someone who takes a stand, who knows what they want and goes after it, who has goals and dreams, who's not willing to settle. So I call it elegant warrior because we combine those two aspects of being a woman, elegance and being a warrior and that is my seven pillars of abundance. Every week, we go through a different pillar of abundance until we get that area to a level 10. So we go from spirituality to fitness to emotional life, romantic life, mental life, social, and financial. And when all seven areas are at a level 10, she becomes an elegant warrior. Out of those seven pillars, which of those was the most challenging for you to bring into alignment for yourself? Definitely romance. That was, that <laughs> was the last piece of the puzzle. Me too. <laughs> and it eluded me because I'm like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm doing everything else. I'm like in shape and I do my meditation and my affirmations and I have great friends and I have a great job. And why can I not meet that person? What is happening? And finally, I figured out how that snapped into place. And that was what we just talked about before with resetting, with the dating detox. And also what really helped me in the romance area was surrender. I just decided, you know what? If God wants me to be single, I'll be single. I just want to be around high vibe, loving, happy, fun people, whether they're pets, coworkers, friends, I don't care. I just want to be around high vibe people because I had hit such a bottom 
by having a just a terrible divorce that I just was like, I'm so done like trying to force my will. I remember sitting in a therapist's office and she asked me, Rebecca, do you want to be married? And I said, I want a life of ease, grace, and spiritual dignity. Whatever that looks like, I'm surrendering to that because I, I was fighting so hard to save a relationship that just wasn't meant to be. You know, the hardest words, the two words that I find the hardest sometimes to hear in my own meditative practices when I think about my own romance life, divine timing. <laughs> Having to <laughs> be patient. I mean, I am going to employ what you're talking about, by the way. This summer, I'm going to use the whole get out there, increase your opportunities. I'm going to get a deck of cards and I'm going to go like this every time I meet someone that doesn't meet my expectations reshuffle the deck, take the card off the deck and keep going. And I want to see just out of exercise of that, how that's going to play out for me. But I feel like you got a carpe diem kind of thing. You got to seize the day and you got to really pursue it to find your better half. And I believe the universe with divine timing does intercede on occasion. And uh, so I'm going to do a little hybrid approach. I'm going to see how that works for me. I'm going to use your approach and then I'm going to incorporate some, uh, I guess I should say appreciation of divine timing and manifestation. Do you have any viewpoints on that? Visualization. Visualize yourself with your soulmate. What does it feel like to hold their hand to walk on the beach? What does the water feel like? Lapping on your ankles. What is the temperature like outside? Are there clouds in the sky? Is it you and your soulmate on the beach alone or are there children playing? Like, Do some visualization around it too. I like that. I like that. I know you have your book and I want to share that with our audience. How to make a six figure income working part-time. And my first question is, what motivated you to write your book? <laughs> my dad was on his deathbed and he said, Rebecca, will you write something? I don't care if it's a book, an article, a blog. You have a very unique worldview and I want you to share it with the world. And I had no idea what I was going to write. And I believe that God speaks through other people. And I was sitting in my financial planner's office in workout clothes. He was looking at my real estate and my stocks and everything was expanding. And he said, you know what? You always come into these meetings and workout clothes in the middle of the day. You need to tell women how you're doing it. And I said, you know what? That's exactly what I'm going to do. And I called the book, How to Make a Six-Figure Income Working Part-Time. And it's not no money down real estate or get rich quick. It's living a holistic lifestyle and having a, a work-life balance. And when you're happy and in alignment and high vibe, the money's gonna come in. And that's what the book is all about is those seven pillars of abundance. And the last piece of the puzzle is the finances. Most people think that's the first thing. I'll make a whole bunch of money, then I'll hire a personal trainer and look good. Then I'll date and I'll meet my soulmate. Then we'll have great dinner parties with other couples and have a great social life. Then we'll go on meditation retreats. But it's the last thing of the the last piece of the puzzle is the financial piece. I'll say this as you brought up your dad, I feel like he's super proud of you and he would probably want you to do an extra book. <laughs> Something additional just because of your impact and what you do. I um, love it. Well, I have an outline of another book written. It's called The Seven Pillars of Attraction. And it's how I went from totally divorced and brokenhearted to engaged to the love of my life. So I have the outline written. I just need to set aside the time to write it. So I will take that as encouragement that I will write that. When's the wedding date? Any date? Oh, 12, 21, 21. Oh, yeah. That's I'm all about alignment, too. We were talking about that with synchronicity and stuff. I love that. That is amazing. That's amazing. I love that. 
be right on the beach in Malibu, and I'm so excited. Congratulations. Thank Congratulations. you. What does financial abundance mean to you? So money, just for the love of money, it, I do believe it's the root of all evil, and that's greed. But what money is for is it's an energy that gives you freedom. So money gives you the freedom to do what you want, when you want, where you want, and with whom you want. So life is short. We don't want to spend our whole life working for money and be a slave to it. We want our money to work for us and have financial freedom. So that's why I believe everyone should have financial abundance, not because they want to get a pile of money but because I want them to be free to have like a beautiful life and to have great vacations and memories and connections and conversations and not be working their whole life and then be 80 years old on their deathbed and go, wow, I just worked for 80 years. What was that for? We've all heard of the term bucket list. What would you say to somebody who has a bucket list, but has been afraid to check off the items on their list because they feel like they need to wait for something else to happen before they can do X, Y, or Z on their bucket list. I would say just do one, one a year. I like breaking big tasks down into just smaller, easier tasks. So just what, and don't even think of the future years. What is one thing on your bucket list you can do before the end of 2021? Now that things are opening up, now that people are able to travel again, what is one thing on your bucket list you can do by the end of the year? And then in January, decide, okay, what is the one thing I'm going to do this year? And just do one thing a year. I love that. I know you've talked a little about it, but in terms of, can you get a little more detail to anyone in our audience who really wants to get their life in alignment, but they just have not been able to do so as of yet? If you really want to get your life in alignment, then, and you're not doing it, then you're not in enough pain. So you're either pushed by pain or pulled by a vision. And that's another quote by Michael Beckwith. So either you hit bottom and you just can't do another day in your relationship or in your job or, you know, with not able, not being able to pay your bills and you just hit like a really emotional bottom where like, I can't do this one more second. Or you catch a vision of, oh my God, there's another way to live. You mean, I don't have to live paycheck to paycheck and I don't have to live with somebody that I hate and I don't have to live like, you know, spending all this time and rush hour and, you know, honking my horn at people and being so stressed out. Like there's another way to do it. So they have to be either hit their bottom or catch a vision, a glimpse of what they want. And hopefully they can get that vision through finding their life purpose. I actually have a really great uh, questionnaire for finding your life purpose that I'll be happy to give any of your listeners that want to know. And once you have your purpose, then it's a lot more inspiring to get out of that relationship, to get out of that dead end job, to find a way not to spend, you know, hours and hours of your month in rush hour traffic. And I feel like sometimes you got to be afraid to go outside your comfort zone, take risk and not be afraid of failure. That fear of rejection, that fear of failure, I think, keeps so many people stuck in their mindsets and they have to unstuck themselves, right? Unstick themselves in order to uh, achieve greater balance. Would you agree with that? Or do you have your own opinion? I agree. I think so many people are so scared of failure that they stay in their comfort zone, but everything you want, if you're listening is outside your comfort zone. 
And fear of failure is just fear of what other people think. So if they're not paying your bills, they're not going to be going with you into your coffin when you die. So who gives an F what they think? They don't care if people think of you for two seconds. They'll be like, oh, you know, she failed at that business. Now, what am I going to have for dinner tonight? Like they're, they're not going to give what you did or didn't do in your pursuit of excellence a lot of energy. We think we are way more important than we really are to people. So I would say to your listeners, find your passion and go for it and fail hard and fail fast because the faster you fail, the closer you are to learning what not to do. And actually, mistakes are not to be feared. Mistakes are the stepping stones to success. And the only way to really learn is by doing. You could take a college course and read it in a book and you know have your business plan, but until you actually take action and do it, you're not going to learn on a visceral level how to build your business. That's a very valid point worth noting. How can, let's say someone's listening to us right now and they're thinking, okay, I'm really interested in this topic area. I want to read this book. And they say to themselves, okay, it sounds catchy. sounds great. And you've already alluded to this, but I'm still going to ask for someone in the audience. They, let's say they run into you and they say, Rebecca, how can I make a six digit salary while working part-time? I work at Domino's Pizza and I deliver. I'm not making but 12 bucks an hour. What do you recommend? So the first thing I would say is it's not a salary because a salary is limited by the hours in the week. So if there's only 40 work hours in the week and you only make $12 an hour, which I believe is minimum wage, then you can only, your income is capped. So I would say to find an opportunity, starting your own business, MLM, all commission sales, where you're not trading dollars for hours because hours are limited. You want to find a way to get paid what you're worth and you want to have unlimited earning potential. So I'm a huge believer in having a side hustle. Keep that regular job with the salary if it makes you feel more secure. Have the side hustle. Do it for as many hours a week as you can incorporate, even if it's just you know three to five hours a week. And eventually, as you start getting momentum and earning more and more with your side hustle, you'll feel comfortable leaving the job. Excellent. Excellent. Let's discuss your training here, your, your prior study. I mentioned it earlier. I want to ask you, can you tell us about your experience studying with Reverend Michael Beckwith? Yes, he has been amazing. He has the Agape International Spiritual Center, which is a non-denominational center, and he has been such an incredible teacher. He really taught me that your thoughts create your reality. And I know I had read the book Think and Grow Rich, which was written in 1937. And that was the first self-help book. And that's a great book, too, if you haven't read Think and Grow Rich. But it's all about that. So hearing the way he delivers it is incredible. He's also a huge believer in meditation, to raise your vibration, meditation, affirmations, all the stuff that we know. But just hearing him deliver it has just been so powerful. And I've taken his classes. I've gone to the Agape Church. He was even my wedding officiant. So Excellent. Congratulations. Congratulations. Well, that was for the failed wedding. Oh, I'm so sorry. I met, yeah. <laughs> you know what? The next one's going to be that much better. That's right. And I tried to get Marian Williamson, but she was too busy. So. <laughs> Let's talk about your role studying under Esther Hicks. What did you find about Esther Hicks that really resonated with you that you'd like to share with our audience? I love Esther Hicks. So 
I like starting the day in the morning, which is hitting a YouTube video because she, she's like a tuning fork for your vibration. She's lighthearted. She's playful. She really explains clearly the law of attraction. Become interested in what you want. If you talk about and you think about and you focus on what you don't want, like if you're always like, oh my God, I never have enough money. There's too much month left over at the end of the money. And all you focus on is the lack of money, then you're just going to manifest less and less and less money. But if you focus on the abundance, even if you don't have money, there's so many other ways of abundance. You know, I have an abundance of friends. I have an abundance of health. I have an abundance of clothes. I have an abundance of beautiful nature to walk around in my neighborhood. You focus on what you want, and then that's how you manifest more of it. What's it like studying with Marianne Williamson? She's powerful. So I first came across her in the 90s when I lived in New York City. She combines metaphysics with making a very big difference in the world. So she doesn't believe in, oh, I don't want to talk about, you know, the the starving children because that's going to lower my vibration. I'm just going to, she makes fun of the people. I'm just going to drink my green juice and go to yoga and pretend that everything's great. And that that is a part of, you know, certain people in the New Thought movement. But she believes in rolling her sleeves up, getting your hands in the mud, Yes, you pray, you meditate. She's a teacher of the Course in Miracles. So you focus on love, not fear. But you can also use your spirituality, use your power of being tapped into divine energy and love to affect the change in the world and to really work with the less fortunate. And I love that she takes metaphysics and she brings it to such a practical level. What about Wayne Dyer? What did you learn about studying Wayne Dyer and just knowing more, you know, learning from. Yeah. Wayne Dyer is really focused on, again, the solution. I love his book, The Power of Intention. I love there's a spiritual solution to every problem. I love that he studied a lot of the ancient texts and he takes, you know, like the Bhagavad Gita and he takes ancient texts and he talks about how they're still relevant today. So again, it's it's the same uh, thought, the law of attraction and what you focus on, you get more of. But he's just, you know, he's it's through the channel of Wayne Dyer. And he, even though he's no longer with us, he still has a podcast with new episodes every week. So I don't know how Wayne's doing it. He's putting out content from the other side of the veil, but somehow he is still relevant and he just, he's, and he's very empathetic because he's a psychologist. So he just really listening to his podcast and just listening to how he teaches. He's, he's just so empathetic to people and just cheering them on to wanting them to be their best self. What's your viewpoint on spirituality? Spirituality is the foundation to live a happy life. So we all have a God sized hole and we can fill it with shopping or sex or gambling or whatever it is that we're addicted to drugs, alcohol, but if we learn how to fill our God-sized hole with God and we learn how to feel fulfilled and happy within ourselves, regardless of what the people around us are doing, then that's true happiness. So I believe in we get to become happy, whole, and complete first, and then we get to share ourselves with the world. And that is what spirituality does. And it's everything. Who's made the greatest impact on your spiritual growth and why? <laughs> 
<laughs> These are great questions. <laughs> I, would, I would say it's Michael Beckwith because he's very playful about it. So, so is Abraham. They're both, I really believe in not taking ourselves so damn seriously, right? So there's a difference between religion which is about the rules and the rituals and you don't get out of line and you got to follow everything to the T or you're wrong or you're bad. Spirituality is playful. It's fun. It's connected. It's loving. It is feeling excited, just like kids feel excited about life. It's not about the rules and, and it's not about feeling judged and less than if you're not doing everything perfectly. So that's that's why I love spirituality. And I, I've learned a lot about it from Michael Beckwith. I love spirituality myself. Every time I have these kind of conversations, I'll have like a, a runner's high with endorphins for hours afterwards. Our conversation tonight, you know, tonight doing the show, I will feel elevated for a while because I just love these concepts and topics. And I also think that by us sharing it with our audiences or our audience, it gives us the ability to create our own positive flow for our listeners and our audience. And that, that just is such a, a positive, such a great opportunity each day to do. I want to ask you this. Can you describe your study of personal relationships with Dr. Pat Allen, Allison Armstrong and landmark education? Sure. Well, I'll start with landmark education because that's, that to me is more of psychology than relationships. It's more events happen and then it's our perception around what happens that make us have our viewpoint. So it takes all the emotion out of it and it just strips it down. A, a tree falls in the forest. That's all that happened. We don't have to make up a story. Oh, the tree was my best friend. The tree was my <laughs> The tree, you know, fell in the forest because, you know, my mother neglected me. Like, no, it's it's just the fact. So Landmark is very, it's almost very male and it's very just logical. It takes all the emotion and the hysteria out of it. And I really like it because change your story, change your life. So Landmark taught me how to change my narrative around certain events. Allison Arm, okay, let's start with Pat Allen. Pat Allen is all about the masculine and the feminine energy. Masculine energy wants to compete, control, and conquer. Feminine energy wants to get, receive, and be available and respecting. So it doesn't matter if you're gay, straight, or lesbian. You can still, there's usually a, ma a very defined masculine and a very defined feminine energy in any relationship. And it's about learning how to communicate with the other person. So most people say, I think, what do you think? That's two guys talking. I feel, what do you feel is two feminine energy talking. So if you are feminine, it's, I feel, what do you think? And if you're masculine, I think, what do you feel? And it's learning how to communicate to the masculine or the feminine energy of the other person. Alison Armstrong, she interviewed thousands of men and she came up with certain themes and what they want. And she has really great courses just teaching women how to communicate with men. It's, it's a combination of Pat Allen and the spirituality. And she started teaching. It was, I think, her leadership project from Landmark Forum. So Allison Armstrong is kind of all three. She's a very scientific person and how she just studied men. She understands the masculine and the feminine energy, which is Pat Allen's work. But then she combines spirituality and she has a vision that I am actually living into. And that's of a partnership 
where Pat Allen's work is more old fashioned, right? The man goes out and he works and he earns money and the woman stays home. But Alison Armstrong teaches about having a power couple where both people are super powerful in the world, but they are in partnership. They're not in competition. So if you look at Jay-Z and Beyonce or Michelle and Barack Obama, all these couples are power couples. They're both very powerful in the world. I love the two couples you've mentioned, by the way. My two favorites. <laughs> I was going to say J-Lo and A-Rod, but they broke up. So, <laughs> Unfortunately. Affleck, if they're still even together when this podcast comes out. Hopefully, uh, <laughs> they might be. Hopefully. <laughs> yes. What are your viewpoints on uh, soulmates? And how do you think they factor into dating or trying to match yourself. I mean, soulmates can exist in various realms. It doesn't just mean romantic. It could be a friend. I have a best friend of mine who's a, a soulmate of mine and she's married and we call each other soulmates because of our intense connection. But I want to ask you, do you have a view? What's your view on that? Like soulmates? So soulmate is someone that you meet them and you feel like you've known them forever. Like you just feel so familiar. Like, oh my God, you're back. I, you just feel an instant connection. Like, there you are. I love you. And they know everything about you intuitively and you know everything about them and you just get each other. And yeah, you can have soulmates and work and platonic as well as in romance. Twin flames to me are two souls coming down together. They incarnate together and one splits off into the feminine and one splits off into the masculine. So you're literally like mirror Im images of each other. And if you are highly evolved and happy, that's a great thing. If you're not highly evolved and happy and you see a mirror image of you and another, then it can just drive you absolutely crazy. So a lot of twin flames are very toxic with each other. They fight all the time. They're what we call the bicker stains, right? They're just constantly at each other's throat. And it does not seem like anything I want to sign up for. I would much rather be with a soulmate who totally gets me, who I feel comfortable with, that I've known in many lives and we get along great than a, a twin flame. Maybe in the next incarnation. But in this one, I'm so happy that I found an awesome soulmate. That's great. That's great. I know twin flames can be torturesome. I, uh, I met someone about two years ago who I thought was a twin flame. And uh, we don't talk, you know, runner chaser dynamic and all that. But if I could sign up for it, I still would sign up for it because of the intensity of connection, but I wouldn't sign up for the separation stage or if you never talk to each other again. So I understand how that works. It's pretty interesting. Just when you have it happen, even while you're spiritual and you have someone cross your path like that, it makes you scratch your head like, is this real? Like we could delve in spirituality all we want, but when it actually happens in real life, you're like, whoa, how did that happen? Is this really happening right now? It becomes very surreal. So. It's, you know, I was told by a psychic that my twin flame is not in a body. He's not incarnating right now. So that kind of took all the pressure off. I, <laughs> that's a, that's a great way of looking at it. Cause then you don't have to worry about it from that point. on. Yeah, exactly. I want to discuss your podcast, the balanced, beautiful and abundant show. What motivated you to create your podcast? I love interviewing people. Like you said, this connection, this conversation is feeding my soul. It gives me a high and I just love having meaningful conversations. I, I despise small talk. I really like it at all. I like having deep, meaningful conversations. I like seeing the divine in someone else, the namaste consciousness, the God in me honors and seeds the God in you. So I have a podcast that supports my teachings. I interview people 
that are experts in these seven pillars of abundance, spirituality, fitness, emotional, romantic, mental, social, financial. So my listeners can be supported as they evolve into having this balanced, beautiful, abundant life. And I believe in giving people tips, tools, strategies, helpful hints on how to have a breakthrough that day. I don't believe in, oh, study this for 10 years and then you'll have your breakthrough. I believe in being really practical and giving people things they can implement right away to affect change. And that's what the Balanced Beautiful Abundant podcast does. What do you enjoy the most about your show that you haven't shared in public before? Learning. I love learning. I'm just a constant seeker and student of life. And there's things that my guests have said that I am practicing every day that has changed my life. And if I did not have the show, I wouldn't have ever met these speakers. I'm going to ask you a question and you're going to have to think of it carefully here. Which guest did you enjoy having on your show the most and why? Oh my God. I can't even answer that because I've had over 50 guests and I can't, I can't even answer that. I will tell you this. I had a former mentor in sales that I had a lot of negativity and unresolved feelings around. And I did a lot of forgiveness work in my own mind and heart, not with him, but everyone. I love the affirmation. I forgive everyone for absolutely everything, especially me. And through that forgiveness work, I was able to just be present with him and have an incredible conversation with him and not see him through my old stories and through my old, you know, misperceptions or hurt feelings of what had happened. And it was just like seeing him for the first time, but yet he was my first mentor and we have a 25 year history. So I think that was a really beautiful interview for me. I think anytime you can, you can have a great conversation and then we just happen to have people listening to us talk or watch us talk. But I feel like when we talked last week, we had a similar dialogue without the cameras on or without, you know, recording. But uh, I agree with you 100%. I think it's, it's so important that you can forgive, let go. That's one of the things I did the most in the last year, having through quarantine. Let go of the past. Forgive everyone. I love that, your mantra. Forgive everyone for everything. Especially me. Especially yourself. I think, yeah. I believe letting go is probably, letting go and surrendering is probably one of the biggest secret powers we all have within ourselves. Right? To hit the reset button. <laughs> We, if, if you're feeling stuck, either in your love life or your finances, it's usually because you have unforgiveness. You're holding on to something. So think of at success as climbing to the top of the mountain. If you're holding on to two really heavy suitcases, you know how much harder it's going to be to climb to the top of the mountain. But if you have nothing in your hands, but you're excited, you're playful, you're joyous, you're like, yay, I'm going to the top of the mountain. It's going to be a much easier climb. So it's all about letting go of resentment and forgiveness. I love that. That's such a great thing. Let me ask you this. In the last two and a half, three years of your life, I know we all had COVID and everything. What do you find was the greatest challenge and obstacle that you had to encounter to overcome to where you are today? So I am an adrenaline junkie and I used to get a high off checking off my to-do list I'm going to get this done and then get that done and then go over here and I'm just going to get a parking place right in the neck of time and I'll be five minutes late, but I'll get there. And there's an adrenaline that comes from being like a compulsive overdoer. So I got to be a human being instead of a human doing during COVID. 
And I am like type A, so I found a way to like be overscheduled with Zoom calls and sign up for 10 million like online self-improvement courses while I was home. But it wasn't the high of I got to get here and then I got to get there. You know, my dad said I'm, I used to be like a firefly, like I would just flit from activity to activity. And I was running from myself. I was not being present to my soul and just my feelings. And I was just running around to not feel like an addiction, just like any other addiction. And it really took that addiction of just being, you know, constantly on the move away. And I'm a lot more comfortable in myself right now. And I'm a lot more comfortable just being at home and being still. I love that. Let me ask you if you could share with our audience where they can find you. Sure. So you can find me at my website, RebeccaElizabethWhitman.com. I have an awesome quiz there called the Balance Quiz, where you can see which of the seven areas of your life are in alignment and which of the seven areas of your life are out of alignment. It's a two-minute quiz. It'll give you a great snapshot into your life so you know exactly what you get to celebrate that's working for you and what needs support and bolstering. And then you can also find me on Twitter and on Instagram at Rebecca E. Whitman, as well as Clubhouse at Rebecca E. Whitman. But the best place to find me is on my website because you can get my quiz, you can get my email address, and you can stay in touch with me that way. I have a great newsletter. And of course, you can find me on the Balanced Beautiful Abundant podcast, which is on Pandora, Apple, Spotify, all the major places where they have podcasts. Can you tell our audience about your Facebook group too? Yes, I have a Facebook group called the Balance Beautiful Abundant Group. And again, it's more support for people who are wanting to achieve balance within these seven pillars of abundance. And I have lots of great content on there. And I would love to have you in the group and have you be a part of my community because community builds immunity. So you want to have a great community of other people that are wanting to have an abundant life. And I'd love to have you be a part of it. Excellent. If you could describe yourself in one word, what word would it be and why? I've never been asked that question, but I would say joyous. And why? Because it took a lot of suffering to get this happy. I wow. had to go down, 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 down to feel the, the pain, real pain of being a human and having my heart broken and not having the approval of others and not getting what I wanted to really realize that none of it matters. We're all going to die anyway. And we just get to love and be loved. And I, I choose to be happy. It's, it's a daily choice that I make and I am happy because I choose to be. If you were to look at your past self, let's say the one that you described earlier when you went through your prior divorce and you were feeling in your lowest moment, what would you say to your prior self at that time frame? And, and, and why would you like, what would you say to them, to your prior self? And, and why? I would say this too shall pass. And you're going to learn from this divorce and you're going to learn from the heartbreak, what it is to be a human. And you're going to learn that part of being human is not always getting what you want and that it doesn't matter what the circumstances and situations and people around you do, that, that my happiness is not predicated on that, that it's predicated on my connection with the divine and that people will come and go, but it doesn't matter because my soul will be not harmed or 
endangered because I'm connected to the divine. Wow. I love that. <laughs> I really do. I, I want to thank you for coming on. I'm, I'm amazed at what you've accomplished and who you've studied with and what you've, you've made and created from your circumstances. I think that's amazing. I really do. Thank, thank you. That means a lot coming from you because I know you're a psychic and you're also very uh, evolved on your spiritual path. Thank so you. It means a lot coming from you, and it's it's been a delightful conversation. I, I, I have you on my show. I would love that. Just let me know. Absolute hundred percent, hundred percent. I I just having you on the show today. I, I learned from each guest, like you said. You learn, right? You learn along the way when you do a show or when you're doing any of this. We all learn every day. And every single person that comes on my show gives me such a unique point of view that I can respect and admire. And I'm telling you, your resiliency, your ability to empower women, you're, you're, you're so steadfast. And I see you as a shining star rising in the sky. I see you as somebody who the best chapters of your book are yet to be written. The contacts, the relationships, the achievements, it's going to continue. So that's my two cents to you. I, I really, I really do think you're going to be a rising star going forward between 2022 and beyond with your relationships and personal life and everything else, business growth and creativity, connections, et cetera, et cetera. So I look forward to observing that and finding out about it. <laughs> well, I will definitely keep you posted. We're going to stay, stay in touch and stay friends. I know that. And I look 100%, forward to that. 100%. I want to keep my platform open and available to you. If you, when you do write your other books or programs or courses or anything you want to bring to me as an idea, I am an open book to you. So I just want you to know that. All right. I love thank it. You. I just want to thank Rebecca Whitman for coming on the show today and sharing her, her tips and, and recommendations and suggestions about how to help empower women. And I also think more importantly, though, how to help the sexes get along better with one another, how to live a, a true spiritual path. I feel Rebecca has a wealth of knowledge and experience from studying with such spiritual teachers as Marianne Williamson, Abraham Hicks, Michael Beckwith, and others. And everything that she's learned, her pitfalls, her setbacks, her obstacles, none of that has kept her down. If anything, we should look at that resiliency and respect it, admire it, and seek to embrace it for ourselves. Rebecca's book and just her programming and her website, I highly suggest and recommend it for everyone to look at. I I just can't begin to tell you how much of enjoyment and benefit you'll get from studying Rebecca's information, her seven pillars. And I just, I'm just so excited to share this information with you. Her website is www.rebeccaelizabethwhitman.com. And as she said earlier, you can find her on Instagram and Twitter at Rebecca Whitman, and you can direct message her for a free balance assessment. And I just suggest check out all this stuff. These are concepts I know to some of you who may not be familiar with them, but there's a lot, a lot of opportunity to hit the reset button in your life. Talking to Rebecca today about her life experience reminds me of one of my best friends from college who I dated once when I was in my early twenties and we're really close friends. We're best friends. We're family with each other. And she went through a horrendous divorce about five years ago. And I was able to see her grow from that experience. And Seeing Rebecca's example reinforces that when you're presented with a low moment in your life, if you find out tomorrow that your life mate, your spouse, the one that you've invested all your time with is going to pick up and leave you, don't be discouraged. As Rebecca said, there's other fish in the sea. And if you look at it like a deck of cards, 
just be resilient. Look at the world as an opportunity and not as a setback or obstacle. Thinking does make a difference. Your thoughts, your, your, the way that you can handle all these obstacles that we've dealt with in, in society. If anything, individuals who are resilient seem to be successful. Most importantly though, find balance. Find balance in your seven pillars in your life and look at things from the perspective that nothing is final. No setback is a final blocker to you, you know, obstacle. Everything's meant for learning. So keep that in mind and check out Rebecca's information. I will leave her website and everything else that we've mentioned in the show notes to this episode. And I hope that you reach out to Rebecca and I think her wealth of wisdom is going to truly benefit everybody. We're going to have amazing guests continue to come on the show. Every single episode for me is a blessing. And I want to thank each of you for supporting the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Stay positive because when you're positive, anything's possible. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook and don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind, embrace your paradigms, and know that the universe is always yours to explore. With the Baker's Plus Card, it's easy to get lower than low prices. For the win! Earn fuel points on every purchase and save up to a dollar a gallon at the pump. The Baker's Plus Card. All you do is win. Big, big savings. Sign up now at bakersplus.com and start saving. Baker's. Fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your favorites with the buy five or more, save a dollar each sale. Simply buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with your card. Baker's. Fresh for everyone. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Electric acid. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on ElectroCast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.